Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're here today to connect the Lordship of Jesus to everyday life. In fact, our, our motto is to bring Lordship, His Lordship, to life. And the beautiful thing about life is that includes every every little detail of our lives. So it's fun to talk about that. Um, you know, we were just chatting this week. What, a, what an amazing week we had. In fact, the last podcast that you guys were able to enjoy was uh, right after our market share gathering, which is our gathering of, of um, marketplace leaders, uh, all wanting to learn how to implement kingdom principles uh, and really let the Lord be Lord of their business. Uh, we had Rodney James come and share at that gathering. And I'm always amazed, Pastor Andrew, that, you know, it was the single digit morning <laughs> when we got here, uh, it was still pitch black, you know, and, uh, and yet we had a full house and there's just a real hunger, I think, for especially people in the in the marketplace uh, to understand that the kingdom principles that Jesus preached for the church are the same principles that translate in the marketplace and wherever else in life you go, because he, Jesus is Lord of all. Yeah. And um, and there's just a hunger, you know, that that is palpable. Uh, for people to come out. It's one thing if it's 80 degrees and the uh, sun shining and there's a warm breeze blowing, but I mean, it was cold and it was dark and it was unpleasant to get out of a nice warm bed on a Saturday. But it, I, I think we both agree there's a tremendous um, hunger and need, especially for the church to provide uh, insight and teaching and support and instruction uh, as it relates to the kingdom and business. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um you know, we had a lot of market shares, not just for entrepreneurs, right. but we had a lot of entrepreneurs come out, business owners come out. And one thing I share with the group of business owners that we, because we've divided into small groups afterwards and to a group of about 20 business owners. Um, as I saw that group in the, yeah, in the it was, we, we underestimate how big that group was. And I Which told is them, exciting. And that was great. All of our business right. owners. Um, but we wanted to have a good small group discussion that wasn't small group. So I told them next time we will divide it <laughs> into multiple groups. But the point was when, when I was talking to them and listening to them share, and one of the, the comments I had was, you know, I think Rodney mentioned how pastors, senior leaders often are um, some of the most friendless, loneliest people. Yeah. And I said, I think this is true for business owner entrepreneurs. I think it's true for leaders in general. Just if you are at the top and all the weight's on your shoulder, uh, people just often don't understand. You know, yeah. come people come and get they get a paycheck. They come and work and then they go home and they don't think about right. it. And I think too, you know, it's not that sometimes leaders don't want to take the time to build relationships. It's just leaders have a lot on their plate and sometimes they just don't have a lot of extra time or a lot of time, just do nothing time, you know, uh, which is also a problem I mean, because you need to have the margin and things in your life. But I think there's a lot of factors, plus, you know, just the whole idea of who, who can I really trust? Who can I talk to? Yeah. And I just want to say, you know, uh, right from the get go, I don't feel that way in our relationships at Living Stones. I, I have a lot of great friends. I don't feel lonely, but I know a lot of pastors who are in cultures where if, um, uh, if they share anything about themselves that's not perfect, uh, you know, they'll look to be canceled by the yeah. congregation. And so it's, it's a dangerous thing to have friends, but it's not a dangerous thing when you uh, have a healthy culture. So, yeah, but, but, but the truth is, you know, that that is the natural slide for when you are a business owner is you you slide without proactive caution, without right. proactive efforts to make sure that you don't isolate yourself. That's a natural slide. Right. And that's shared by many, many entrepreneurs and business owners. And and our point is simply uh, to admit, uh, acknowledge that and say, hey, but you're not called to be alone. You shouldn't be alone. Right. 
and we want to come around along you and help provide some type of network. I mean, I know everyone's not going to be BFS forever, right. but um, but to have some type of connection for business owners right. and where they can have a safe place where they can share uh, what's really on their heart. And you know, what what we talked about uh, during this this COVID couple of years we've been slugging through is that a lot of people are just sick and tired. We have some of these folks in our own church, and maybe they have a business in Illinois, in Chicago, where uh, government has been super uh, in their business, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, and they're like, you know, we're just going to either, number one, we're going to either move to a state that's more friendly, which is why we have this massive influx into Indiana, or they're going to start their own business and just not deal with, you know, like we see this with homeschooling. They just don't want to put up with, with all the protocols and hoops um, and inconsistencies that we've seen over the last couple of years. So yeah. I think what's happening is we're seeing a rise, and this was this was approved in an article, I think, that just came out in a major newspaper, that entrepreneurs have exploded over the last two years because people are realizing, <coughs> why do I want to put myself under company uh you know, laws and things that are just binding and, and inhibiting and actually, you know, hurting, hurting uh, the economy, hurting ourselves, hurting our livelihoods. Let's just, let's just do it ourselves. And, and this comes to an interesting point because personally, this is my personal opinion, small businesses is so crucial for the health of a, of a community in the nation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it really builds on the middle class. Yep. Not the big corporate structure in which like, you know, it's it's just it's just my my personal philosophy, small business is so important. And I, I really feel like the COVID situation, whether it's intentional or not, people can debate about all day, has really put wear and tear on small business. Now, large corporations like Amazon, Walmart, man, they're making, you know, they're still able to and maintain. And not to mention the pharmaceutical companies. Oh, yeah, I won't even go there. <laughs> but, but small businesses are really, restaurants are closed. I mean, just all the all the all the weight on small businesses who sometimes are looking for cash flow from month to month it's really difficult but but the interesting thing is if this was some type of attack on small businesses uh, it's very interesting like you said but many people many people are actually starting their own small businesses yeah. and and starting business is not easy but what we aspire to do and what we like to do is come around some of these small business as a church and say, hey, we're here to support you, encourage you. We're here to pray for you. We're here to um, help you and, 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 you know, emotionally, but not just emotionally, just even come alongside and help you process and talk about different operational things. And I mean, that's what we're inspired to do because we feel that's important for our community. Well, when we saw the government picking favorites and really getting, sticking their nose in an area where it doesn't belong and basically telling business owners uh, you're essential you can stay open you're oh, not yeah. essential oh, yeah. we're going to give you government money to help keep you afloat sorry you guys are on your own i mean the, the, our government our federal government uh, state governments were never intended to stick their nose in the private business arena other other than creating an even playing field making sure there's no corruption etc but but dictating policy and telling you when you can open and when you can't open um, this is actually, as we've shared, has the power to destroy one's livelihood, one's family, uh, and one, certainly one's future. And uh, government has no business doing that. But here's the thing I, I guess I want to touch on as well, which is why I think market share is so powerful, is we not only want to uh, kingdomize businesses, when, and we talked about that before, there are people who have Christian principles that are trying to operate a business, or, they go, or, or business owners that go to church on Sunday, but that's not a kingdom business. You know, as you pointed out, a kingdom business is somebody whose life is submitted to the lordship of Jesus. And and Jesus is the CEO of the business. I mean, we're saying, Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, give us wisdom here. Lord, 
certainly how we treat people. Um, uh, I mean, the whole the whole thing from beginning to end is about Christ and His kingdom. Yeah. And and what disturbs me because this hits a little personal for me. We won't mention any names, but I've got family members that work for a company that is known for its Christian values that is completely caving right now under uh, Biden's uh, OSHA department. You know, the mandate that's pending right now, we, in fact, we were hoping to have an answer. We're, we're recording this um, a week ahead of time, so um, we don't have an answer right now on what the Supreme Court's ruling is going to be on uh, the whole OSHA and forcing businesses with over 100 employees. Everybody's got to be mandated, to, uh, or vaccinated rather, then um, that, that's a mandate or you lose your job. Um, and so here we're in this situation I'm talking about, uh, they're basically saying, hey, it doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't say anything about uh, religious exemptions or about vaccination. Uh, so we're not going to listen to that. And I mean, this is a Christian company. And basically at the end of the day, what they're saying is we would rather just roll over and cave in uh, because here's here's their other option. They could say, uh, you know, President Biden, thanks for your opinion, but you're not a dictator and you don't have the right to make law <coughs> determining how we run our business. Uh, and then well, what would happen then? Well, then then the government's threatening to fine you. Well, there was another company that I remember a few years back called Hobby Lobby that basically said we're not going to uh, put abortion in uh, pay for abortion in our health policy. That, that of course, was under the Obama administration. Uh, and Obamacare, and they just said we cannot do that. And uh, and what was their consequence? They were being fined millions of dollars every day. Um, but they stood their ground. They took it to the court, and they won. But they were willing to lose it all instead of losing their integrity and losing their convictions and losing biblical principles. And what concerns me is you have a lot of, and I saw this in uh, in the with uni Christian universities. They're caving in, especially on sexual ethics, or in this case, caving in on religious liberty, hoping that this is going to go away. Their bottom line is more important than their core values. And at the end of the day, rather than lose um, money, rather than lose status, rather than lose uh, you know, public opinion polls, uh, they're willing to sell out on their convictions of religious liberty and rights of conscience, which are so, so huge to every other right that we have. That's why it's called the first freedom. Uh, and my concern is you give a little here and compromise here and compromise here and compromise here. And before you know it, you're trying to, to, to you know, uh, get along, right? And you're trying to, to, to do what you can to just simply to, to, to be a, a nice neighbor or whatever we couch it in. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, religious liberty is going to be dead. And whatever Christian convictions you think you have or that you're hoping to demonstrate in the public arena are going to be gone because um, the, the public arena right now is not friendly. The secular environment is not friendly to religious values at all. So I think you're, you're just kicking the can down the highway. And what concerns me is there's amazing Christian young people that are working for this business who are being forced to, number one, give their employer their, uh, their health history, which is none of their business. Number two, they're being forced to get vaccinated or lose their jobs. And this is a Christian company, you know, I say Christian company, a company that supposedly has Christian values. Uh, I'm just, I'm deeply concerned over the lack of conviction starting in the church, starting in the pulpits, and then flowing out into the marketplace. And so what I share with our, with our business leaders is, I, I want you to be able to come to a place like Market Share and know that not only are we going to have a common culture to, to build kingdom businesses, but we're going to fight with you. Uh, and as you stand and as you, uh, you know, 
lead and as you stand for your convictions, you're not going to be standing alone. Uh, we're going to be standing with you. And I yeah. think that's important, especially in today's environment, because it's a, it's a hostile environment. Well, and, and to those who say, hey, the vaccination mandate thing, again, we're not we're, we're not here debating the, 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 the efficacy or the legitimacy of the vaccination. That's not here and right. there. We're talking about a mandate saying, hey, basically, uh, these businesses have to comply with the standards or test weekly and spend a lot of money either yourself or asking people to do it. And is that really within the confines of OSHA? And really, is that within the confines of Congress to make that that broad spectrum without any exemption of a vaccination mandate. And, and you know, for those who don't know, the Fifth Circuit Court, I believe, says no, OSHA doesn't have that. Sixth Circuit Court says by a two to one vote says, yes, they do have that now it's the Supreme Court. So, I mean, it's in the Supreme Court because it's a legitimate issue of contention. And it's not just like, oh, of course you should do it. No, I mean, if, if, if the Supreme Court is actually taking on a case, whether they, the fact that it took up a case is saying this is a legitimate issue of debate and and that there there is argue, there's legitimate arguments on both sides um and again we're not political ex experts or commentators nor are we scientific experts to comment on all these different things we have our own opinions and one-on-one -on -one, i'm going to be a lot more free on those sharing on those opinions than on a broadcast on, on, on certain things that i, right. I i'm not an expert on and right. i'll say that however it is a controversial <laughs> issue and and uh, our opinion is that that to, to mandate and say hey get this shot or test or spend lots of money testing weekly or you lose your job is not it's not right right and that's beyond the man uh, the, the facility of the government um to do that and that is a worldview issue and that's why we're talking about it here you know we're, we go back to spheres of authority again and and uh the home, the church, the state, and each of those staying in their prescribed boundaries. That's how you have a, a healthy society. When one starts encroaching in others areas and they don't stay in their lane, that's when you get into trouble. Yeah. Now, again, I just got a, a message last night from, from a friend who's in the health field. And again, I, and this frustrates the daylight out of me, but so many of these hospitals have the word saint in front of them. I won't mention any of them in, in particular, but they're called Saint So-and-so because they were founded by Christians and they were founded to promote health. And again, once we're finding what we're finding right now in this situation was um, all the nurses had their religious exemptions accepted because nurses are important. They're the frontline workers and hospitals realize if you mandate vaccinations among nurses, you're going to lose half your staff and, and they can't afford it. People are going to die. There's going to be lawsuits and all kinds of stuff. Um, and so the, the nurses are being uh, allowed their uh, freedom of, of conscience and rights of liberty. Um, but this person who's not a nurse was told, oh, she's not going to be her, her rights of conscience are not going to be honored. And I told her these are these are grounds for a lawsuit. You can't pick and choose. And in this situation, it's based purely on on economics and it's based purely it's a utilitarian principle. Um, we have to figure out what we need and where the greatest need is. And we'll, right, we don't want to lose you guys, but you people over in this category who are still employers at the same same institution, <laughs> Christian institution. Are, are, are they're not their rights are not protected you know this is the point folks these are unalienable god-given rights that apply to all of us you can't pick and choose and you don't get to figure out what your bottom line is and who which workers are essential or not essential 
uh, our liberties are not essential and non-essential. You can't put them in categories. They're, they're God-given, and you cannot touch them. Governments cannot touch them. In fact, governments are supposed to protect them. And if we don't start fighting for this, and I encourage everybody in the marketplace, keep fighting, keep standing. We've written about 1,600 letters now uh, simply validating that we're not anti-vaccine, pro-vaccine. We're, we're saying that the government and the marketplace has no business to fire you over a personal right of conscious kind of decision. And if we lose this on this arena, I'm telling you, we're going to see it erode in every other uh, one of our uh, precious liberties. So maybe enough on that, but, but I'm excited about market share. I think it is a powerful uh, ministry here that's going to really, really grow. In fact, I really believe God wants us to put uh, prime attention and focus to uh, to reaching out to the marketplace even more in the yeah, years. I just want a quick thing I want to share about market share. You know, I put up a graphic on market share on Saturday, and we so for those who don't know, um, we meet once a month and we have a breakfast on Saturday morning. Uh, we typically announce in Livingstone's Church, and you can find it on our website what's coming coming yeah. up to it. But uh, I put a graphic in which you know I, I just feel the Lord led me to kind of calculate the percentage of time we spend in our waking hours. Yeah, that was really powerful. Yeah. I took out the sleeping, you know, right. you know, average about seven hours a night, you know, for those who have newborns like myself, more like three <laughs> and a half. But for most people, you know, you sleep around seven to eight hours a night. Yeah. Um, like I think you're supposed to get nine, but who really gets nine hours a night, right? So um, so average about seven hours a night sleep. I took those hours out because, um, just because, you know, we're sleeping. Yeah. But in terms of our waking hours, I did a general calculation. Of course, it varies from different people. You know, typically everyone spends, you know, between 40 to 50 hours yeah, a at week work. at work. Then you spend probably 40 hours a week or so at home. And then another 30 or some hours, uh, baseball games and movies yeah. and friends and whatnot. And, and then social life. Social life. And then, again, the typical Christian uh, spends about two to three hours at church. Okay, just in general. I'm not talking about people who a work week. a week, a week. Yeah. And not not people who work at the church, but just, you know, you go to service and right. you might even attend a life group, but altogether two to three hours or so. Right. So if you really think about that pie chart of your waking hours, if you are only focused on kingdom, like kingdom ministry, if you only see ministry as reduced to time at church, you're only building kingdom. You're only revealing. You're only partnering with God. You're only growing, actively growing in that facility at 2 to 3% of your waking hours. Right. And yet the vast majority of our time is spent outside of this building. At home, at work, in your friend's house, at baseball games. Um, and yet the, yet the approach of the typical pastor has been uh, to try to get all of those people who are here for just two hours yeah. to somehow, hey, we need you in this ministry. We need you to serve, you know, as a greeter. We yep. need you in a children's ministry. In other words, the whole focus of their ministry is just contained in in the church box. And we're saying, why why is that our strategy when so much of a person's time is spent outside of the four walls of church, except for those that work here? Let me just say this. Like, I've been accused of being critical before. And, and trust me, I have been negative in, in, in those ways. But that's also part of my gifting, to look at things from a, from a unique perspective. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm laughing because your your gifting is not to be negative. Your gifting is to well, I can be. I right. can be. I have a tendency to be that. Right. But my but gifting you're, is you're also a positive guy. But you're, you're, you're a I'm learning to be positive. You're, you're an analyst. Look yeah. at things from a unique perspective, and that's kind of my makeup. In fact, most sermons I preach, I look at things from a unique perspective, and, and, and that's what draws attention 
because you look at the same thing a thousand times and you look at a new perspective, yeah. then you learn and you grow. Yeah. The sermon I preached a couple weeks ago about growth really focuses on that. Why are we not growing? It's because we just keep learning stuff, but we don't take integrate what we learn, what we confess with our mouth, what we theologically agree with, and actually live it out in our lives. That is the limiting factor, the cap on our growth. I believe this is one of the major factors because most pastors, most churches are not going to say, guess what? You know, uh, uh, ministry only happens on Sunday. Ministry is out there. I mean, people are signing saying, you know, you're as you're leaving, you're entering the mission field, you know. But what my experience, at least, is that even though we say it, but how often do we truly equip people? Ephesians talk about the, 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 right. the apostles, the pastors, and the teachers is to equip saints for the work of the ministry. It's to equip the people who come to church on Sunday for their real ministry. Right. How often are we truly proactive in equipping people to be ushers of God's kingdom at the workplace? How do you talk to your boss? How do you talk to your coworkers? How can you be on the sales call and be able, be able to look through the, the and, views of kingdom? And how do you let the Holy Spirit, who is God and who is really smart and has all yeah. the answers, how do you access the presence of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Lord in decision-making and, yeah. and, uh, and all the things that, that you do in the marketplace that are so valuable and believing that God wants to manifest his glory and his solutions and his power not just in church, but in the marketplace. That's yeah. a radical shift in thinking. You, you go back and look at that part, pie chart. It's like, well, first of all, we need to be building kingdom at our house too. And you know, Livingstones, we have we have big focus on marriage class and parenting class. We talk yeah. about how important it is for 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 Jesus to be center of your marriage. So so we do emphasize that quite a bit, as you should, because you right. know you spend many many hours at home. Right. You know, however. How about the workplace? Yeah. And, and and this is, so market share really is our attempt and uh, our effort to really usher in and really be proactive in equipping people who says, you know what, I'm at work a lot. Yeah. I want that time to be a time of worship and ministry. And I would I would like to remind folks too, you know, it was um, last week's episode with Ronnie James, who's a, a kingdom, I mean, he gets kingdom as it relates to running his business. Uh, and we and he laid out some principles for us on what it looks like. You can also go back and access a podcast that we did with Rick and Holly Beatonbow uh, from Kingdom at Work and Beatonbow Homes. Um, and uh, and we talked again about those kingdom principles about marketplace and what that looks like. But uh, to me, again, all of this is irrelevant if we do not have religious liberty. I mean, because basically we're told today. Uh, if you're doing any business in the public, you have to keep your faith at home. Yeah. You're not able to bring your faith uh, into how you do business. And and, and again, that is, a, from our perspective, a, a huge encroachment by the federal government into the realm of business and private sphere. And, and, uh, and you have no liberty if you're not able to express Christ and kingdom principles uh, out there 24-7. That, that's what religious liberty gives you. It's the right to, to worship Jesus, love Jesus, live for Jesus, and apply biblical principles out there, not inside the four walls of the church. And this is something we have got to fight for because it is under attack in a huge way. Well, the implementation of debate uh, can happen within the context, but the umbrella that we believe in and that we believe the founders of the Constitution believe in that's is right. God's not come, I mean, sorry, rights do not come from government. Right. Rights come from God. The purpose of government is to protect these rights, right. not government. The purpose of government is to create rights or take them away based on common consent and based on mob rule. 
No, 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 no. God uh, rights are from God. They're based on pure democracy. Pure democracy. Simply the mob majority rule. of the majority people. Rule. Yeah, a bunch of people feel like, hey, this minority group, this minority Christians, or these minority whatever shouldn't have rights. They can take them away. No, 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 no. Yeah. Rights come from God, and government's role is to protect these rights. Not to now under that umbrella protecting our rights, we can have proper debates. But if we don't have that big question answered, and then that, we're and that, just what you said though, it, it, that's a Christian worldview understanding. Yeah, and and we are in a civil war right now. You and I have talked about this. It is a war right now. It's being expressed for the most part in the ideological realm and expressed through government policy. But it is a war, and it's and it's clearly a it's there's clearly two sides on this issue, and and we need to see you know, and we as Christians we need to know which side we land on and why, uh, because there's so much at stake. Uh, you know, you were just talking about uh, one of the states out west, which is a very liberal secular state, talking about. Um, quarantining, forcefully quarantining those who are unvaccinated. Well, again, I, I don't have a lot of details. Yeah, but, I'm not but, sure. I'm going to get to the details of all happen. that. We're that's a, that's a debate, something going on. That was just a comment, something I saw. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of detail on that. that but the principle, so, yeah. so the principle that yeah. the government can come knock on your door. Hello, can I see your vaccination card? Uh, well, it's none of your business. Oh, it is our business. Well, we don't. We we chose not to be vaccinated. Okay. Uh, get in the van and we're going to drive you off to a place where we're going to quarantine you. Now, this is not science fiction. This is happening in godless nations, nations that don't have the deep Christian worldview roots that we have in America. Yeah. And and again, I, I sometimes I put myself in that situation and wonder, what would I do if somebody tried to take me or take my wife or take my children forcefully out of my home against my wishes you know, what, what would I do? I mean, those, those are scenarios you don't even want to get into, but that's how literal civil wars with, like, guns and bullets get started is when governments become uh, aggressive and, t and, t and tyrannical. I pray to God that we don't go that direction in America, but you can certainly see the fault lines and the fracture lines uh, forming as uh, we're, we're a nation divided right now. So um, enough on that. We've only got a few minutes left on this podcast about about five or ten but let's do an introduction you know we're in a really exciting series right now yeah. uh, uh and, and the, the the big over the overlay is uh now 2.0 where we are, are looking at a brand new facility that we're about a year and a half to two years out from you know possessing and enjoying and uh and we realize there's a lot of things that need to happen between now and then in, inside our church to get people ready ministries ready leadership in place, uh, culture set, uh, all kinds of stuff, training. And, uh, and none of that can happen, first of all, without all of us embracing uh, the value of the white skin of growth. So, you know, you did an amazing job kicking it off a couple weeks ago, and I encourage you, you weren't able to be here in person, uh, go to our Living Stones uh, website under the, under the media uh, 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 section. And listen to the first week. Uh, we've actually will have two weeks on there, but the first week, Pastor Andrew did an amazing job of kicking off the basically selling growth. You know, you talked about how we begin with you know, the year characteristically with New Year's resolutions, and then by what is it, January 19th, uh, we're flat on our face. Yeah, uh, we've already said, well, I guess that's not going to happen. Why? Why is why is genuine growth so hard? Yeah, and, and there's many, many reasons for that. But I I summarize that genuine growth is so hard because like all hard things, genuine growth is painful. Yeah. It is absolutely painful. There's no way around it. Right. Um, 
Jesus summarized genuine growth, says, you want to be my disciple, you want to follow me, grow to become more like me, yeah. you must take up your cross daily and, you know, and follow me. And that's an invitation to pain. Yeah, but you, you made, brought up a good point. You said sometimes we, people fall flat on their face. They, they quit, they, they sign up, and they never follow through mm -hmm. because we don't really paint an accurate picture of what's going to be required. Yeah, we, we don't take the time to truly set proper expectations. And rarely, rarely do people really do that well. Um, and I think if, if we, whatever project, whatever task we initiate, the leaders of the project need to do a good job setting people for the right expectation to know what they're going to get involved in. Jesus did it. Jesus did it over and over again. He says, you got, are you sure you want to follow me? Because it's going to be very tough. He's, in fact, he says, count the cost. Count the cost. Yeah. Don't try to build a tower you can't afford. Don't try to go to war. You're going to lose it. Yeah. Count the cost. In fact, to follow me is going to be really, really difficult. However, there's great reward. Right. But count the cost. And I think yeah. that's part of the solution is you, you got to keep your eye on the reward. You know, the reward of where you're going is so much more fulfilling. It's better than where you currently are, or else you're just not going to change uh, in the first place. But yeah. you, you, you touched on something else that I want you to hit on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our, our our mission here at Living Stones is to grow people and multiply leaders. Yeah. And we believe that growth is central to the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, talk about that. In other words, growth is not like the icing on the cake. We don't come here and go, oh, hey, who wants to grow this year? Okay, uh, three of you. That's really great. You know, yeah. no, we're expecting that everybody who's a Christ follower is all in, buys into the concept that yeah. we need to grow. Why is growth central to the gospel? Yeah, I think the theological understanding of that is important. This is something that you have to first get in your head to truly walk that out. And, and I laid out kind of three examples. The first example I gave was because uh, we live in the king. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just the gospel of going to heaven, salvation. Hey, you got your you got your prayer said, you got your name in heaven, you're good to go. You don't ever have to do anything again. It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. And our job is to partner with God to usher in his kingdom. Yeah. So that's completely different than, hey, you know what? You got your ticket to go to heaven. Just wait for the bus to come. And I'll take care of everything else. Versus, no, you're enrolled into the army to go and reveal my kingdom to others. So you, what do you do when you join the army? You don't just sit around. No, you got to get in shape. You got to go to boot camp. You got to get training. Right. You got to get developed. You got to learn. I was watching a Navy SEAL uh, training, which that to bob the head, like in, down the water, back up again, down. I mean, I look at that. I'm getting claustrophobia just watching them train. Elite training right. for, they, for, they, for, they have a mission. They have a powerful mission. But how much more compelling is our mission? Right. So, so, so your view on whether how important the kingdom of God is is going to determine whether you want to grow so you can um, be equipped to to join that mission. Right. So that's a huge factor yeah. in, in whether um, you you value growth or not. The other factor I talked about was simply we're called to become more like Christ, right. and even become more like Christ in that phrasing is saying, hey. We need to develop and grow. Yeah, you know, you brought up that verse that was so good that, that the purpose of our redemption, like God saved us so that mm -hmm. we might be conformed into the image of his son. In other words, in God's mind, his purpose in saving you and me mm -hmm. was so that he would be able to work in us and through us and watch us grow so that we look and act like Jesus. Yeah. And to deny that or just say, no, I'm good. I'm just going to hang out here. I'm good. Uh, is to really deny the purpose for your salvation. Well, I think one thing that really helped form my theology and that was reading um, Randy Alcorn's book on 
In Light of Eternity, I believe that's the yeah. name of the title. Yeah. And, you know, just changing the, the perspective on what heaven looks like when Christ returns. You know, we're not just going to float in the clouds with harps right. all day. No, we are expanding his glory. We are partnering him continually. So there's always development, always grow. There's opportunity to become more like Christ into eternity. Yeah. So, so that invitation to grow doesn't end when Christ returns. It yeah. continues. Yeah, that's good. And, and so, so, so might as well start now. In fact, Jesus talked about how whatever gift and talent has been given to us, we need to steward well and multiply and grow it yeah. so that we wouldn't be called wicked servant, yeah. lazy servants. And servant. I think that's the second part of that, that mission of ours, you know, growing people, multiplying leaders. The multiplying leaders is also yeah. embedded in the gospel because the Great Commission... Uh, assumes and challenges us commands us to go make disciples teaching them to obey christ in all things uh in other words it's a it's a multiplication vision uh you lead me to christ and then your job is to disciple me and then my job is to go do the same and so that's that whole multiplication of leadership that has to happen which means we're, we're on a continual growth curve and, and, and you brought out another good point you know you and i are finite Jesus is God. He's infinite. And when we, even after this life, into the next life, we're not going to be static. We will not have arrived. We will not know everything just because we have a glorified body. We will continually be learning, growing, and continually being transformed to be like Jesus, <coughs> which is, to me, exciting because I, I love to grow. Um, talk a little bit just in closing here. You know, you said there's a big difference between information and true growth, which really involves transformation. Yeah. What What's that difference, uh, and 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 how do we separate them, the two? Well, we need to. I said that the reason we don't grow is we confuse learning with growing. Learning is fun. Growing is painful. To Why? say to, because you're going to be stretched. You're doing something you've never done before. You're changing. You're pursuing the hardships of changing. I mean, is there? Try to find one area of growth that's ever been without pain. Right. Physical growth, mental growth, studying for a test has never been fun. Okay, learning a new technique, learning how to play piano, especially in the beginning, is not fun. Right. Working out your muscles is never fun. There is no way you can grow, truly grow, without pain. So to say I love growth and I embrace growth is to literally say I embrace pain. I love pain. I and none of us pain. love pain. Uh, change in any way, it always involves pain. Well, I, there's one group of people I do know who love pain uh, that I see all the time. is people who have really developed a regimen of working out. Yeah, they yeah. get to a point which, unless they feel the pains of pushing and stretching sure. or whatever, or running, breathing, breathing, they don't even feel like they got a good workout. In. But that happens. So it's a I, I, I call it acquired taste. Yeah. There's certain food you don't like it at first, but you acquire that taste later. Like blue cheese. You like blue yeah, cheese? I do like blue cheese. It's like certain Chinese food. People make fun of me. But it's an acquired taste, like the thousand-year-end tofu. Tofu. I love tofu. But my point right, is... You're going to have to disciple me yeah. some, of, some of those... You can grow into foods. the pain of eating tofu. But my point is this. is As you continue to grow, at first it's painful. But once you develop a lifestyle of growth, I've seen this happen over and over again, that you start to embrace the pain because the pain starts to feel good. I know it sounds weird and twisted. This is not some kind of weird, twisted, perverted thing. No, because you have become more like Christ and, and your wiring, your nerves and your emotions have been transformed to say, oh, that's painful, but that's a good pain. Well, I because I think in the Bible when Jesus says, hey, 
you know, when you're suffer when you suffer for righteousness' sake, he says, rejoice. He exactly. Says, you're, you know, you're you're sharing you're sharing in me. Right. You're sharing in my lifestyle. You're partnering with me, and that's a strange. That's an acquired taste, right? I, that because we shy away from any you know trials, tribulations, challenges, persecution. No, no, I'm not going to go there. But yet, there's a joy even in the midst of that. It's just the truth is, rarely do I see or meet people who are in that realm. But when I do meet them, I see they respond to things different. Like, how was that conversation? It was rough, but man. Or how how was that transaction? I totally failed. I totally messed up. But man, did I learn a lot from yeah. it. That is somebody who really truly embraced the yeah. pain of growth. You know, and I, I challenged our folks on Sunday that Living Stones is not a place where you just come and hide. You know, some churches get big enough you can just just hide. Uh, I don't care how big we get. We never want people to feel like they can just chill out, sit on the bench, uh, and never feel challenged to continually move towards Jesus and move into their calling and join us on mission. And like we said, we're not looking for for people to come sit in, sit in chairs on Sunday morning. We're looking for partners. We want people that are going to lock arms with us. And uh, and grow together and experience a culture of growth where where it's fun and uh, and it's challenging and sometimes painful but man it's fun being a part of a, a family that's that's committed you know uh, like we all have a, a we all have our membership at the at the Y together you know <laughs> we're a family that all goes and works out together uh, that's kind of that's spiritually speaking that's kind of what we're after here at Living Stones that we're all in and we're we're helping each other get better. Um, so anyway, we're, we'll get into this a little bit more. So much great information, but uh, it's always fitting at the beginning of a new year to, to really pause and to say, hey, you know, Lord, what are some areas I need to really be stretched in? I need to grow in. I need to be more like Jesus. I, I need to change. And uh, and we hope that you'll be asking those questions and, and partnering with us. In fact, in the, in the weeks to come, we're going to get into some really great principles that we think uh, you'll find helpful to your own uh, spiritual journey. So, anything in closing? No. Final word, final volley. You good? Yeah, I just, I, just, I, I want our church, I want the Church of Jesus Christ to really understand that Jesus came to help you grow. That's that's a, that's central to His mission. And when we don't, um, we have to look at Christ in the face one day and say, Hey, He's like, what have you done with every talent and ability I've given you? Yeah. That's central to the gospel. That's not and that's not just grow older. I say this all the time. Yeah. You've been, you've been going to church your whole life. You're just growing older. Yeah. Let's grow more mature. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had the, the Lord drop into my mind on Sunday an illustration that I think is a good way to end this. You know, on Facebook right now, there's the... There's the you 10 years ago and the oh, you now, that, yeah. uh, and everybody's <laughs> posting pictures. And of course, all you're seeing is external change. Right. And uh, and what would be really great is if we could have a Holy Spirit version of you 10 years ago and you now that would really show how's your character changed? How are you more like Jesus? How have you grown in your understanding? Is your passion for God stronger than it was 10 years ago? Uh, how about your fruitfulness? How about the how about the impact of your life? Ten years ago to now, has there been tangible fruit, a demonstration of godliness that's produced fruit in other people's lives? That would be a great Facebook well, challenge. I, I would. I'll challenge to have your wife be the person who says, "Hey, ten years later, my husband is no longer this, or he's still this." I don't know. That's going to catch on fire. But, but hey, that's that's a great for me. That's a great metric for growth. Is ask someone who's the closest to you and no. ask them for the truth. So no, you're exactly right. And you know, marriage class four o'clock Sunday afternoons out there because our our spouses are really a 
great help to help us see our blind spots and truly help us grow. So anyway, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, We are committed to your growth. We love to hear your comments and we love it when you uh, uh, share this podcast with others. Uh, We're always trying to grow our our outreach and reach more people with uh, the message of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So thanks again for tuning in. We love you. We value you. And we're praying for you to grow incredibly in this coming year as that's our desire as well. So have a great week until next Thursday. We'll see you then.